Hello, everybody, and welcome to the Baka 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 Podcast. It's amazing how every time you open your mouth, you prove you're an idiot. Hello, everybody, and welcome to Baka Baka Baka. We are an anime podcast. We talk about an anime that we've watched over the past two weeks, and we discuss it here on this podcast. We don't think of ourselves as smart people when we discuss it, so we turn that discussion over to our comments section for you guys to continue. Um, tell us why we're wrong. Tell us why we're right. Uh, and basically elevate the discussion that we are planting the seeds for. Uh, that is what this podcast is about and to do that i need the help of my co-host and the first one we have is the johnny five to my gutenberg jeremy how you doing i'm good i should know that yeah you should it's all right i should know very dated very old (laughs) johnny five it sounds so familiar um yeah doing good actually doing great (laughs) great because i finally got an oculus quest finally got a VR in the headset. YouTube video, if you if you do our podcast on YouTube, he has it displayed in the background. Yep. So I'm so happy. <laughs> I did so much work outside that my wife said, we got to get you something. So we got an Oculus Quest, and I got to mess around with it a little bit today, and I got to go and play a bunch of demos, do a boxing game. God, that was great. Uh, Beat did Saber you, get, did you play Vader? I, did, I didn't see the demo for that. No, no, it should come with with the Quest. Like the full game? Yeah, yeah, yeah. All three episodes should come with it. I'm gonna have to check the library then, because I was I was just looking for things that said demo, because everything else had dollar signs, and I was like, uh, uh-uh. <laughs> dude. As far uh, as like a short story VR yeah. Jedi game, probably one of the better experiences I've had. I, I'm so relieved they finally said it's coming to PS4, because I have a, a VR PS4, because I'm not cool <laughs> like you guys. Um, but what I want to know is, is your, your initial review of, of VR gaming. Your first oh, I, I love it. I love it so much. I've wanted this since I was a little kid back playing like battle zone where it was just freaking wire meshes <laughs> on a black background for tanks and stuff. Um, and imagining that I was in VR, uh, it's, it is so cool to be able to, to swing a sword or, or throw a punch or shoot a gun, you know, the way it would feel in an arcade. Um, back in the day when I used to go to arcades. So, yeah, absolutely love it. The one thing that's killing me is um, I got to play one game. I think it was like The Wrath of God or something like that. And it had a thumbstick movement where you just kind of slide to move forward or to the side or whatever. And uh, they did the, the trick where they, like, dim the outside so that only the center is really lit. And that's supposed to help with motion sickness, but maybe I'm just a bit sensitive. It, it was horrible. It, it's not just you. It takes a little bit of getting used to. Um, Asgard's oh. Wrath, that's the best way to move around. Um, mm-hmm. And, yeah, the first hour was a bit rough. But after that initial hour, especially near the end of it, you start to get used to that that motionness and also they do a good job of breaking up when you're moving moving and when you're doing the story so is um, vader kind of like that where you also know vader's I, I think you can but vader's very teleporty i so. like that okay okay because i had to sit down i was like after about after about 15 minutes of it and i was deliberately trying not to move because it would get me so nauseous um i wound up just having to sit on the floor and, and pause the game and be like okay just 
So that's going to kill me, I think. You should get super hot, I don't know if I'll then. be able to work through it. Yeah, super I played the demo so, of that. Super hot oh, so good. God. I love it. I, I, motion sickness just doesn't get to me. My wife gets motion sick watching mm-hmm. me play VR. Um, and I'll play <laughs> with my daughter, and she'll play for like 15 minutes to hand it off for me, and I can just be in there forever. <laughs> oh, that's that's. I mean, crazy. my stomach will, awesome. my stomach will flip and stuff, but I'm like, yeah, that's what I want. Give me that roller coaster. <laughs> <Nah. laughs> it's like a Rick and Morty cartoon or something. <laughs> I right, haven't I, had VR flip my stomach sensibly dangerous, so which uh, that's why I'm so looking forward to. Yeah, Squadrons. Squadrons. Yeah. I don't care if yeah. I hurl with Star Wars Squadrons. I yeah. In. All right, well, other host. in the chair, so it should be good. Yeah, but yes. other, other host. host. He is the Sonny to my Will Smith. Jason. Oh. Um, uh, being angry. Well, okay, not angry, but being disappointed at grinding gear games. Um, they, yeah, the, the, there's. I was so hyped for this league, and oh. I. Have you not learned your lesson, old man? <laughs> it, 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 it's. You're 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 killing monsters. You're mapping. You're you're leveling. You're planning, and then you're planting a garden. Yeah, <laughs> it's called harvest, right? Isn't that the expansion? It's it's it's, it's flipping harvest moon in Path of Exile, and I thought oh, it could work. It could be fun until you go and like put all this work into it to get to like the next like couple tiers of monsters you spawn from these plants and just nothing drops and you're just like huh that was not fun uh, <laughs> so much work no payoff yeah no payoff uh. and then they have the gall to go and go oh by the way the past three leagues of junk we've been dumping in your inventories we made a stash tab each for each one you have to purchase each one individually i was like are you kidding me <laughs> the more you talk the more i have to edit you know <laughs> You know, uh, I I decided this topic specifically because of a certain Twitter spat that I saw online. <laughs> Gamer Dad, you nailed him. <laughs> <laughs> All right. And my name is Troy. I'm still on my retro movie kick. I, I watched Minority Report over like the past three days. But great Steven Spielberg movie. Um, uh, but... Um, I've also been playing The Last of Us 2, and I'm only a few hours in, uh, so I can't give any assessment on story or anything, and I know that's got a big topic. Is that a, right? a few hours or, like, one hour? Uh, have you have you gotten past that two-hour mark? Two yeah, mark? I, I, I'm okay. past the prologue story section, but I'm not going to say anything spoilery. Um, okay. But I, I'm I'm enjoying myself really far so far. I know, this, like I said, the story has been really divisive for people who have played it. Um, I'll see when I get there, uh, but the gameplay is fantastic. It's beautiful. It, it, there's like many sections that are almost open world where you can go into multiple buildings instead of just always being on a, a set path. Um, I'm really enjoying it, but you know, I'm a naughty dog guy, so I was gonna play it no matter what, mm. and I'm mm. having a good time. Um, and I watched Princess Bride today, and it's uh, it's a great movie, as you wish, <laughs> inconceivable. <laughs> I watched it because I heard they were going to do a remake, and I got so upset about that. The movie doesn't doesn't age. You don't need to do that. The set the, the sets are cheesy. The costumes are cheesy because it's taking place inside of the mind of a kid. It's it's perfect. I saw the uh, uh, the little 
image you posted in the chat. I thought that was just a joke. They're actually doing that. And it's Quibi. Quibi is like, we're going to remake Princess Bride. And I'm like, it's like nobody no. asked for this. Yeah, it's perfect the way it is. It doesn't oh age. It's like the one movie all me and my kids agree on. It's still go as good as it ever was. Yeah. Don't touch it. We don't need a remake. <laughs> Boo. I'm, I'm storming the castle. It's just, it's. <laughs> all right. Let's go on to talk about our anime. It is Somali and the Forest Spirit. It, it was chosen by me. Um, let's go to our pre pre-spoiler reviews. So it's no spoilers here, just a general consensus on what we think. So you can decide if you want to watch it if you haven't already. Uh, Jason, what do you think? Um, I liked it. I think it was uh, a smart father-daughter story uh, that was able to touch on some topics that I thought were very appropriate for not, not appropriate. It, it was it was neat to see how they did the storytelling because most of the point of view was from the father, but it was mostly interacting with the daughter. And so it was uh, it was neat to see that dynamic. All right, Jeremy, how about you? I was really bored almost the entire time. Um, it had its moments where it would grab my attention and, and I liked some of the twists that it threw out there. And it gave some characters a bit of depth, um, more than I thought they had which was pretty cool. Um, and I can definitely see how if you have, you know, um, if you have raised children, you're going to have nostalgia because you're going to look back and, and see some of the things that you went through. So I, I get that, but I don't have that. So for me, it was just kind of a bit boring. Um, and I do have a little bit of an issue. I forgot about this during the pre-show, but I have a little bit of an issue with how um, sometimes the characters don't react in ways that seem appropriate to me and I bet I, I bet I can name this specific moment <laughs> okay does it have yeah, to do with I a sandstorm uh that's one of them yeah that's one of them but there's definitely another one near the end but uh um of course I'll get into it more when we get there in spoiler territory uh for me I, I actually kind of agree with Jeremy on the fact that it's it's a little boring it's a little slow um, but also it was, that was kind of a nice change of pace just to have something really peaceful <laughs> and simple. Um, it has a very, the world has a very Miyazaki feel to it, which I thought was, was very fun to explore in the world that they created there. Um, and there is very much a, I think if you, if you're a parent or, you know, have a deep connection with your parents and, and that kind of relationship, you can find a lot of value in the story being told here. Cause it's very much about, a, a robot raising a daughter and then learning to be a dad and what that means. Um, so I, I, I cried. <laughs> so while there are episodes More where I was usual. like, there were episodes where I was trying not to check my phone um, or like my, I was, you know, wandering off like, Oh no, 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 I got to watch this. I got to take notes um, at the, at the end, you know, at moments I was crying. So I, I, I like it. I do. Honestly, I felt there were better emotional beats than the ending, uh, but that was just my take. I think there's there's two moments I teared up. One, one was the ending, and it very much sets up like, hey, by the way, this ending is going to be an emotional thing. It's like this whole journey is about an emotional ending. Um, and there's one other beat I got emotional at. What I had this weird thought, before we go into spoilers, I had this thought while watching, like, I just kind of wish there were more simple, like, not 
crazy robot battling lizard head biting um, anime out there as much as i like that other stuff too it's it was just kind of nice to have this cool breeze of a show come through this podcast and i was like i, I kind of wish there was just more like this oh. it, it, it like a kiki's delivery <laughs> service movie <laughs> um <laughs> castle in the sky it's what miyazaki did so well like it's you just so chill while you're watching his stuff and that that had this no, you're right. You're right. It just it didn't me. specifically have to be this. But... I, I think one thing I, you know, if we're going to praise on Miyazaki here for a second, um, <laughs> one thing I really appreciate about his work is that he has these fantastical worlds with these amazing looking uh, either monsters or animals. And, but the story is in the details of the dialogue and the character connections. Mm. Uh, and I think this fits in well with that style. And maybe it comes from the music too. I like Miyazaki had very, you know, soft music when you watch, and it kind of just puts you in that mood. Like everything is, you can relax. It's like a warm bath oh. watching this. Oh show. my god, you reminded me. I forgot about the music and the still frames. Oh god. Oh, we'll, we'll get there. All right, let's let's go to the intro and the outro. What what did you guys think of those? They're okay. Blah. Nothing right home about for me. Blah. At the very end, every single time that that intro played, at the very end, right? Because I'm always trying to skip that intro because I don't like it. I get to the very end, and he needs to lilt up at the end. The singer needs to go up at the end, and he never does. And it drives me nuts. Um, but, yeah. <laughs> I did um, not like them. I, liked, I, I really like the music in the, the first one. It does a very good job of setting the tone. Because it starts off kind of dark, and then it gets into this light bubbly sound, and then just kind of goes into this epic uh, sound to it. And I like that. And the animation was fine. The ending has like a 3D animation to it, which I felt was kind of weird. It didn't really fit. Um, But again, I was fine with the music in in that it matched the tone of the show. Uh, My son really liked the ending, though. He, um, My six-year-old son watched a lot of these episodes with me, and he was really into the outro. Uh, he 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 said it was his favorite part. Wow. Okay, let's go on to our spoiler section. So we are now going to talk about what we watched, what happened, characters. There is no, no stone to be left unturned. So if you have not seen it and you do not want to be spoiled, turn back now or be ruined forever. <laughs> what a warning. I, I got him. Um, they know. Nailed, nailed that. <laughs> Um, before we get into the first episode, uh, how do you, how would you explain this world, guys? It's mystical. It's kind of magic. I didn't think it was magical, but I guess it is magical. It, it reminded there. me reminded yeah. me very much of the ReZero world, where we've got multiple species of races that used to intermingle, and now we've got a. But now, in this world, we have a division of humans and non-humans. Um, and the story in, entirely <laughs> takes place no. in, the, uh, in the non-human side. It seems like there isn't much of a human side left. Or if there is, it's difficult to find. Um, yeah. Which would be why, it, why it's difficult to find. <laughs> yeah. Um, but, uh, yeah, I, I love the fact... I, I gotta say, I gotta give props to how cool the world is. The the flora and the fauna is 
absolutely amazing. The landscapes are really cool. The environments are great. And the alien races are really cool. Not aliens, but, you know, the, uh, the foreign races, the non-human races are really cool as well, the monsters. Um, but it, it does something unusual. And maybe we just haven't seen enough of the world. Maybe there's just not enough world building in the anime as opposed to the manga, perhaps. But when you get a population that has such strong divisions of clans... Because they do refer to themselves as being like, I'm from the Harpy clan, I'm from this clan, I'm from that clan. What clan are you from? Um, and they have distinct physiological characteristics that define them as being either more powerful or taller or having more limbs or having fangs and claws or horns. Some of them look more like they might be you know, herbivorous in origin while others look like predators. I would expect to see a little bit more rivalry and a little bit less harmony among these different clans in this society. But I really didn't get that in the anime. It, it kind of seemed like this amorphous blob of different races that just all got along great, regardless of, you know, whether some might have the power to lord it over the others and use that. I, I didn't see anything. Even when they have in, in the latter part, when they wind up going down some dark alleys, and you see some guys that are that are gang members, hoodlums, they're three different clans it looks like so there's no like united hey yeah we're part of this clan and we're gonna kick everybody else's butt or anything like that i thought and, there was room for that and there was a distinct lack of any sort of government um yeah. there didn't seem to be any sort of uh body that made decisions for everyone as a whole um mm -hmm. i will have to say one thing though there's a part in the underground uh where a big lizard comes out that entire scene and sequence like screamed made an abyss for me, like just the art yes. style. I was like, yeah. wow, this is, this is something I could see like on the fourth level. Like, yeah. Yep. So, so I want to go back to Jeremy's point. Cause I, I, I think it might be intentional that they were like that. Um, mm. Cause, cause in this world um, we find out that humans joined this world and the humans are like, Oh my God, you're all freaks. We all hate you, and the monster and the monster people of all these different types were like, "Why are you? Why are you doing that? You're weak. Like we'll, we'll kill you. Okay, we'll kill you." And and then they killed them. Um, and I I think the reason they show them so amorphous like that is because they don't single out any clans or race or species or whatever. They it was literally the humans who started it. If 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 it was the monsters who started it, it's like, hey. We pick on these mice dentist species because they're so small. Um, then you could say, well, okay, they're also a little bit. I, I think this is very much just trying to say the human nature brought about its own destruction. Um, and, and by making them so mixed, it was like it literally couldn't have been them because that's just how they are. They mix completely. Because I think the way it was told is you had this harmonious society, a human huh. explorer came across huh. the sea. Uh, they accepted humans into their society, which means that their society was already kind of homogenous. Mm -hmm. And then you had the infighting from the humans and the rest of them. And then, like Troy said, you know, they were like, but you guys are weak. <laughs> yeah. yeah. Well, <laughs> but, what's weird to me is like, it sounded like there was a period of time where the humans got along with them. Yes. Before. Okay. So the humans got along with them for this period of time, but then the humans went into conflict with them. And we're only getting the beast side of the story, too. True. We haven't heard a single thing from any human that lived at that time. 
Um, and so then they're saying that the humans, you know, basically were, were racist towards them. And, uh, and so they, speciesist. Species. <laughs> yes, species. And so then they, they, but what gets me is if they're so peaceful and so capable of like resolving everything without conflict that they don't have conflict within themselves, they took to the war and they took to destruction and they took to eradicating the survivors so well. Like the glee that they have when they're like, I'm going to eat your liver and I'm going to cut, save his heart for me. Things like they're that. So tasty. Like you're relishing and, and, this and in a multiple little bit regions. Like you, like you said, there's yeah. no central government. So this wasn't like one individual decision. It's like every oh. area just was like, yeah, no, screw these guys. We're going to eat them and, and tear them up. Who cares about them anymore? Yeah. I, and at I, that I, point, where yeah yeah where is where is the harmony like in order for you to have such a harmonious culture of these different races you must have compromised somehow so you wouldn't do this to survivors i do i do You'd feel like more did you guys back, learn i do feel there's more backstory to be learned there because like i said we only yeah. get one side of the story um i, I i'm just saying I, I do think the amorphous unity mm, of the is intentional is intentional yeah. to make humans stand out for what we are learn about them Mm-hmm. all right so we've kind of explained this world a little bit uh, you know basically everyone is a different creature <laughs> species yeah. um and, and it starts with a golem who he's not a robot but he kind of is he basically is. He's, he's a magical <laughs> robot right yeah um, and his whole job is he walks through the forest and make sure the forest is chill um you know make sure that no, nothing's upsetting the ecosystem and uh, one day he stumbles upon a little girl in a human girl in chains. And then we, that's how the first episode starts. And these are our two main characters. So we'll start with Golem who never gets a proper name. Uh, she calls him father. Everyone else just calls him Golem or Mr. Golem. Uh, what did you guys think of our forest spirit? Uh, Jeremy, who's your favorite character? Why don't you go first? <laughs> so I, have a real soft spot for AI characters. And I really enjoyed the way that he was trying to evaluate um, hit how he was supposed to respond to this little girl that was running around. Um, I mean, obviously, the way that the story goes, he's going to wind up taking care of her. But how does he justify that in his mind? How does he justify changing his his role, his job from overlooking and watching over the entire forest to taking this girl off into, you know, whatever travels that she needs to to get to other humans. Um, and then how every time that they run into to different situations, he's he's always like checking the algorithms and, and making decisions. I, I love that. I think that's really cool. And you mentioned in the pre-show, Jason, that like he's he's trying to figure out through logic what the best approach would be in every single situation where he's got to explain something like how do I explain this to a child? And those were really cool scenes. Um, and also how, even though he doesn't, you know, he says he doesn't have emotions, he's, you can tell, they did a really good job with with showing that he's experiencing all of the symptoms of emotions. So he kind of convincingly does. And that, that was really cool. Yeah. Uh, there's a moment we'll talk about later where she's sick. And he's uh, he rushes out the door to get medicine. I'm like, well, you just broke your emotion rule. Um, yeah. <laughs> that was yep. pure emotion running out the door. Um, I actually really appreciated this character for this story because we're the way we're introduced to him, especially with his backstory 
I guess not really backstory because we're kind of we go from them meeting in the forest to they're well on their travels. Uh, so we get to see the interaction between him and the girl in the forest when they first meet. Um, he tries to avoid her. He's just trying to do his forest thing. And um, he goes from that to I need to get this person back to his clan or to her clan and then to I'm going to be her protector kind of uh, relationship. And it's it's really heartwarming to watch. Um, I, I love that he's kind of creepy looking, um, <laughs> even though he's this uh, loving and I say that with quotes, uh, father figure. Uh, in in this first episode, he he comes up with a decision. I, I'm gonna I need to hold hands. You know that will stop her from running off. And, and and I was like, I love that we're seeing the logic behind parenting decisions, but through the human character, we're seeing there's more to those decisions than just logic. Uh, yeah, if I hold your hand, you won't disappear. But also, she feels more comfortable. She feels the bond and the attachment through that that contact. And so. I was actually hoping for more of that, um, but I loved moments like that. And I love when he has discussions with other parenting figures throughout his journey, watching him learn about parenting um, through the eyes of someone who's like, I don't have emotions, but she's breaking my heart. (laughs) (laughs) Um, It was was fascinating to watch. And I, I spent so many episodes being like, this is like if Jeremy just found a child. <laughs> yeah, yeah that's what I was thinking. <laughs> yes. Uh, well, yeah, he is he's a very good character. Um, the next character, Somali, the little human girl, maybe the last human girl on Earth. What did you think of her? Uh, she was adorable. Um, the way she acted impulsively to... Um, she, she meets a friend where her favorite thing to do is cuddle. Uh, because he's basically a rabbit. <laughs> um, it, it's it, yeah, watching her is absolutely adorable. But but what I really appreciated about her perspective in the story is that you know in this world these people of all these different species that's all she's ever known. So she has no animosity. She has no um, hatred or uh, fear of some of these really you know they could come off as fearful characters and she's you know she sees everyone as a potential friend but also her curiosity gets her into more trouble than mr golem is willing to or prepared for so uh obviously that creates its own hijinks which is the basically the loop of this story is they go somewhere she butterfly and then trouble ensues and then they resolve and then they go to the next stop she gets in trouble so on and so forth. But right. um, yeah, she was uh, she was adorable to watch. Mm-hmm. So I thought she was absolutely adorable. It seemed like they were using the um, the the music and the still frames to kind of paint the idea that she's so adorable. She's your child. She's your child right now. Look at her running through the field. Look at the still frame of her building a snowman. Look at the still frame of this. And look, she's reaching up to toward you or to the side. And it's like I. I'm not reading a manga. Like I'm watching an anime. Show me an animation. Um, this character was the center of all of those, and it was driving me nuts. Um, <laughs> but she is very adorable, <laughs> and and she's very sweet. I do have to say, um, there was one person that she showed fear of without any reason to show fear of, and that was Mr. Wolf, dude. 
right? What's his name? Mathrika or whatever, who when she when she's getting ready to go down and like wander around and explore after she was just told not to and she sees the wolf step out, she actually gets scared enough to go back to her dad and be like, "No, nothing. Nothing's going on. Nope. Nope. Didn't see anything. Not going anywhere. I'm standing right here." Which was really unusual because you're absolutely right, Jason. In every other circumstance, she was never scared of anybody. And it was weird because he kind of turns out to be a great guy in the end anyways. Um, I did find that there were times later where she should have been afraid. She should have learned fear. And she did not express that fear. Um, And I'll get into it more when we get to those points because they are pretty major ones. But those were really big character issues for me because it, it broke her. To me, I, she no longer seemed like a character because she didn't behave in a way that I think would have been a consistent, like a little kid being afraid because somebody's going to kill you. You know, that would, that would, I think that would scare a little kid. Maybe I'm wrong, but that's, I think it would. Um, she, she's too cute. She's too freaking cute. Uh, she's, she's adorable. <laughs> and I loved every minute she was on the screen <laughs> and, uh, she's, she's half, the reason this anime is enjoyable. Um, I, I loved. I love that she's not super well behaved too. She's never um, mean or has ill intentions, but she also doesn't listen very well, and that's so actual child. Um, uh, yeah, that's a six year old. My, my <laughs> favorite. My favorite line. I think it's in this first episode. Is he's like, you must stay with me. She's like, I must always stay with you sometimes, <laughs> or yeah, except sometimes. Funny. I'm like, yeah, that's literally something my six-year-old would say to my face. Not trying to be bad or anything like that, but just trying to push those limits of, okay, where are my boundaries? Where are my rules? Where can I get away with stuff? Um, That exploration of their social structure is very, very on point. Um, I I, I have no issues with that. I I thought she was adorable. I, I think my one complaint is they're traveling around, um, and pretending she's a minotaur with little ho- uh, horns on her head, <laughs> which are when adorable. There's, when there's an entire clan of human-looking witches, and you could just be like, "No, she's totally just a witch. Don't worry about it. She's a witch." And I would You're right. require far less disguises. Um, yep. And uh, so w- w- the witch is the only thing that confounded me. It's like there's a species that is identical to humans in this world. What? <laughs> That's so weird. <laughs> yeah. That's such a weird thing. It's fine. And, and they're like, oh, I, you can tell I'm a monster because when I cry, the, the tears float. And that's literally the only distinction. Uh, they and, also and seem the to be more eyes. pale. Are they? they, they yeah, they seem to be drawn more pale than, the re- than like humans. Well, those people were living in a library, not in, like in a cave world. <laughs> I'd be surprised if the animators actually made them no, more pale. Well, I was comparing... <laughs> I was comparing between in the story of the little witch oh, that oh. ended up with oh, the okay. human settlement. Um, she was, she had some different characteristics, but I mean, she obviously passed for a human, but right. Uh, and I would, I would think that would also mean a, a human could pass for a witch. Yeah, I totally agree. But yeah. then we wouldn't have gotten the adorable horns on the hood. And yeah. and they, the hood is freaky. <laughs> <laughs> All right, um, so the story starts proper with them traveling together. Um, the one big difference is now they're both fully dressed. She's in her 
hood with the horns, and now he wears a full cloak. He actually like carries a dagger on him too, uh, which I was kind of hoping he would use and never, never really didn't did. really need it. Doesn't really <laughs> need it. That is absolutely true. Um, uh, they they get her some food at a restaurant. We learn the golem doesn't need to eat; he just needs water and sunlight and air. Um, that's all he needs to sustain himself. But she has to eat. Um, he he explains about being a golem in this this episode. Um, they ask about humans. So his whole goal is like, I got to find humans to take care of this human child. So he asks about humans and, and the monster people. Um, they don't really ever give a full name. The humans call them the grotesque, and I'm, I'm not really comfortable with that. So I'll just call them the monster people. And they're like, they ask, they're like, yeah, we had some humans here a while ago. They were tasty, but it's been a while. Uh, and they tell the story about uh, I, there were humans and there was an explorer. He came. And they started integrating with the monster people, and then the, the humans were like, "Yeah, you guys are disgusting freaks, and we don't like you." And the monsters were like, "You guys are really weak and tiny. You know we're we're gonna kill you, right?" And the humans didn't stop, and now they're all dead. And that's how the monsters tell it. Yeah. <laughs> it, or and also because of the way Somalia is introduced, there seems to be some human slaves as well, not just yes. unless yes, she was a snack. Be... She was, they say they were human cargo, which I was so, thought okay. I thought of them as food being transported to. Oh, okay, that makes a lot of sense too. It could be either, yeah. Yeah, but it could be either or absolutely. Mm-hmm. Um, uh, they decide to spend the money to rent a room at the inn, uh, and while playing, Somali rips her disguise, so the golem has to take care of that. Um, and he hears footsteps approaching, and he's like, "Okay, be quiet." He makes her be quiet. And then it ends up being nobody. Um, and she makes fun of him. She's like, ah, you were scared. He's like, I am a golem. I don't get scared. She's like, yeah, you were scared, though. <laughs> I, I did um, find it interesting because normally when you have AI characters like this that are for a very specific purpose, like he, he was for the forest, uh, that he has all this knowledge of society and mm-hmm. clans and what different um, clans can do. Yeah, and yeah, value system. And uh, it's... So that gives a lot more uh, potential into how he was created. But what I think we missed that he lives a thousand years, right? His mm-hmm. golems. Yeah, I was gonna I, when he explained it, I was gonna explain it. Oh, okay. Well, then I'll leave but, it to that. But yeah, but it does mean that he has a very, very long period of time that he's got a wealth of experience from. But I kind of almost took issue with that, Jason, because I thought the same thing. I was like, wait a minute. You've always been in a forest. How do you know all of this? Like, you seem to know way too right. much. But if Maybe he's travelers? an AI robot, that means all of his, you know, knowledge would probably have, outside of experience, would have been inserted into him. Oh, that's an interesting idea. That, that's what I'm saying. Like, that says more about his creators than him if he spent 999 years and. I, I know Jason, uh, mm-hmm. Jeremy kind of mentioned how the world building doesn't fully flesh out a lot of stuff, and, and that is absolutely true. But I actually kind of like that. I like it's very similar to like the very first Star Wars, right? Where it's just like mm-hmm. this is the way this world is. Everybody else understands it. We're not taking the time to explain it to you. Mm-hmm. Um, you'll get snippets here and there, and and that just makes the world feel much more real and like you're stepped into a real world. Rather than like if every character is like, yes, and here's how our currency system works. And, and here's how our, our food yeah, yeah. system works. Um, so while Nice to meet you. My name's is Mr. Exposition. It is yeah. frustrating when you're trying to, to piece together puzzles and clues. Like, okay, well, how does the goal know this? I, it, I, 
I actually like that approach better when I'm like, I have no idea how this golem works, but I'm kind of cool with that. Yeah. Um. Uh, the next day they try. They're trying to get prepared for for traveling again. They go to sell some jewels. So the golem's like, "Hey, I have these valuable rocks." The the merchant is like, "I don't know. I, I'm only paying you this much." And he's like, "Hey, this, see, this is my golem eye." He pulls out. It's like it's shoelaced together, and he opens yeah. it up, and an eye comes out. He's like, I can analyze anything. See this rock you're selling? That's fake. I can tell it's fake. These are all fake. You're a fake. Uh, but you're going to pay me full price, and I won't mention it to anyone else. <laughs> uh-huh. uh, but meanwhile, Somali goes chasing after a cat. Um, and when she gets into a like locked-up alleyway with the cat, the cat's like, hey, uh, a stranger danger, by the way. <laughs> you smell delicious. <laughs> Uh, and it looks like a like a regular cat and it starts talking and has this big evil grin and I'm like a little bit Cheshire cat and something very Miyazaki about it um, and, and then Golem comes in and saves her and shoes the cat away I like that the cat then goes to the, the restaurant they were at and he was like I wasn't going to eat her or anything and they're like yeah you were <laughs> <laughs> uh, and, and this is where Golem realizes like oh children like see flashy things and they just will run off they have no like self-preservation <laughs> inside their heads and i'm gonna have to deal with that and his solution at the end is we're going to hold hands J- jason why don't you tell me tell him your favorite part about this yeah because he goes i need i need to restrict your independence <laughs> i was like that is a perfect way to put it for a child it's like yeah i you your independent actions and thoughts need to be squelched right now for your own safety. <laughs> but, <laughs> like, yeah, good. Oh, but like what you were saying earlier, it was also heartwarming from the other side. Cause she's like, yeah, I want to hold your hand because yeah. it makes a bond with us. So yeah, I, I, I honestly, after the first episode, I was like, if, the, if every episode is just him learning something new about parenting logically, but then connect, she connects it with feelings and emotion. I'm going to be so into this and, it's not. This happens sometimes, but <laughs> this is really good. Yep. All right. Um, in the second episode, they um, stop at a. They're making camp in the woods or by a creek. They are eating fish. They talk to some rabbits, and we he can talk with animals as part of his forest guardian thing. And they're asking rabbits about directions and stuff. Um, she loves rabbits, and so she starts chasing them. And she falls down and scrapes her knee. And he's trying to treat it, but it won't stop bleeding. And this little, it looks like a little boy, but we find out that he's just a dwarf Oni. Um, he comes out, and I thought, like, okay, here's a villain. Um, mm. And he's all like, hey, I have medicine. I'll treat you. <laughs> and But no, he's just really helpful. And he does, he gives them some medicine, and, and um, he takes them back to his home where his assistant, uh, who's a full-grown Oni, uh, lives with him. Uh, this is Shizuno, who's the dwarf, and Yabashiro, who's the, the assistant, uh, what do you guys think of these characters who, who you knew I, I would come back? And make... Yeah, I love both these characters. Um, not only did they fit into the uh, anime well, uh, but we we get a decent you know montage here, and then also later down the road they'll kind of meet up again, which I was really happy about. Um, uh, yeah, yeah. Uh, the small one was not Yabashiro, right? That was that was the tall one. Yeah, Shizuno mm-hmm. was the short one. Yeah. Yabashiro. Yeah. So yeah. <laughs> Shinzo 
everything about him screams I'm a shifty swindler. <laughs> yes. But he's he's also adorable, even though he's a full grown man. Um and I love the way he teaches because Golem's like, Hey, will you teach me how to make medicine so I can make it on the road so I don't have to buy it? Um the way he teaches him is hilarious because it's very much like, where's that measuring cup? Nah, let's just guesstimate. <laughs> <laughs> yep. Um, I they were all right. Um, I thought that they they brought a little element of action to it, which I did like, and that was of course only in the second half of their uh, presence um, when they came back. But I kind of. At that point, I was starting to get a little bit, um, I don't want to say frustrated, because I wasn't frustrated. I was just, I don't know, maybe disappointed because of the pattern. Is everyone going to be friends in this anime? (laughs) Yes, everybody's going to be friends. And you're going to have this pattern of, you know, uh, uh, parent and child. And even when they're not parent and child, it's going to be superimposed on them so that you can get that resonance, you know, because we have it three times in this anime. And and it's tall person, short person, you know, parent and child. And I'm even when I think Shizuno kind of irritated me a little bit about that because I was like, you've said so many times how old you are, but you are acting like you are the age of these kids. And is that just to fit the pattern or is that genuinely him? Yeah. Uh, I don't I don't think they fit the pattern so much because the, the, he seems to me like a Yoda, like uh, I'm wiser than I look, but. That's boring. So I'm gonna be <laughs> I'm gonna be a, a jerk the whole time and yeah. make my assistant suffer. And my assistant's gonna complain. But at the end of the day, I'm the boss. I'm the smart one. Um, and I really like that. Later, he he he's like, yeah, I, I figured out the truth pretty quick. Mm-hmm. Um, and that and that Yabashiro didn't like. Shizuno is a smart, crafty, and mischievous character, and I like that dynamic. Mm-hmm. mm-hmm. Uh, also, you know, if you have to pick godparents, it's got to be Shizuno and Yabashiro, right? Yeah. <laughs> They're uh, tough enough. And, and yeah, and I like that Yabashiro is the tough guy and he, he's, he's kind of like, I'm, I'm not your maid. And he's like, yeah, but you're going to do my laundry, right? <laughs> um, so, yeah, I enjoyed the, the characters. I, I do understand what you're saying about the, the parent dynamic. There's definitely more characters that are going to Mm -hmm. fit that along the way um i just think they're a little less so they almost seem more like brothers yeah yeah to each other i was like it was it was a very shallow pattern in in their regard and that i think that's what irritated me a little bit is that it looked to me like the pattern was being forced on them um but also yabashiro has those two horns that are very tall and narrow and when he had her like riding on his shoulders or whatever did did he pick her up and ri- have her ride on his shoulders or was yeah I was like that is oh my god that's so unsafe. <laughs> so oh, all, all that has she to was using is... one as as like a handle while oh, she was reaching up. I could just imagine her accidentally like falling forward or something and getting impaled and ah it's terrifying me. I don't think they're scalpels. I mean, <laughs> <laughs> they look very sharp. <laughs> um, I did like how they bonded pretty quick. Uh, mm. Yabashiro and Somali. Because he's like, ah, get away from me, kid. She's like, yeah, but I want to help. It's like, okay, <laughs> find me something to do. Yeah. Um, yeah. So he gets the, the 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 price for learning how to make medicine is 
I, give me a piece of your body. I've never met a golem before, you know, and I want to learn. So he does, but then he's like, oh, my body's actually falling apart. He's like, oh, you really didn't have this to give up. Like, this is important to you. Um, sorry about that. Um, and, and Golem reveals to them while, while Somali's sleeping, he's like, yeah, Golems live a thousand years and then they die. That's their lifespan. Exactly. I'm 999, like, and a half. Like, he has a year and a half left, right, is basically what he says. Um, and, and then he's going to die. He's like, and so he's on a clock to get her to humans or she, no one's going to be there to take care of her. Uh, and, and so the, he's the first one that he's, they've mentioned that too. Um, that's how the, the episode ends. And they leave the next morning with a promise to eat candy. And maybe someday he'll learn to make candy too. I have a problem with this. Okay. <laughs> So is a golem lifespan definite at a thousand years, as he said, or does it hinge on their power consumption and a thousand years is just, well, that's sort of the average if you use your power a amount that's predicted because he goes all all might later and is like, oh, no, I have used my power reserves and shortened the length of time I have left. That means that a golem's lifespan is not exactly a thousand years. It hinges on your power usage. Did, did he say thousand years or uh, did he say i have less time left or did he say i have left less useful time because i think it's a thousand years but he uh he would become less useful because he was complaining about i can't pick things up very much anymore um and stuff like that hmm. i think he said less time left i mean you could be right but i'm pretty sure i remember him saying my my numbers have been reduced the I'm, I'm assuming you watched the sub, right? Yep. I watched the I watched the dub. At the end, he also uses the phrase, "I'm heading." I I'm worried about the natural order of things that are happening to me. And, and instead of saying like dying, it's almost like he's worried he's going to turn into something else mm. um, soon. Mm. Um, because here he says, "Yeah, Golem's lifespan one thousand years." And then after an event happens, he's like, "Time left. I don't know." Yes. Um, Indefinite. Mm-hmm. So I, the the way I read that is like if I use this with regular use, my battery will last four hours. But then if I run Twitch on my <laughs> cell phone instead, it's only going to last. You know, then I've shortened it by like an extra hour. Uh, and I saw that as that like if I'm just running the normal system, uh, one thousand years exact out. Uh, as long as I don't turn into a giant monster <laughs> thing <laughs> that shoots flame <laughs> balls. Uh, that's when it'll it'll be. That was my assumption, but you you are right. That is a little inconsistent from how it yeah. starts to explain for how it is at the end. Given given it's an AI that's explaining it, that's purely logic based and would be incredibly specific and accurate. Yeah, <laughs> I, I think I think his explanation was most light, like giving the most leeway here would be golems last a thousand years to the date if they spend a thousand years walking their forest and doing their forest job because yeah, he's now he outside not... of those parameters, yeah. things are starting to, you know, he's outside the manufacturer's yeah. warranty is what he's uh, is the way I took it. I agree with you and Troy, cause that you guys are both basically saying the same thing. Um, but I think that that's a fault of the writer in my opinion, because Fair if enough. you're going to write yeah, if you're going to write like a, um, an AI character that's going to be so logical and it's going to be so objective 
in all of the things that he says to then have him be like, oh, yeah, you know, I kind of meant something different than what I say or I didn't add on this clause at the end. <laughs> it's just out of character for a machine to do that. <laughs> it, I'm also just not sure he knows of, like about that mode. It feels like that kind of caught him by surprise, but well, we can talk about it more when it happens. Mm. I also have another theory about his lifespan, but we have to meet another character before I can get into it, so I'll save it for later. Alright, next episode. They're in the desert and they reach um, they're riding in wagons. They reach a shopping district called Anthole City. Uh, this is where she she runs off and runs into that wolf man that we mentioned earlier while he's selling stuff and then comes back. But they're short on money for their travels because they can't cross the desert on foot and they, they'll need to hire transport and need lots of supplies. So they... Uh, they go to a restaurant and they find a box that's like skittering away and Somali who if she hadn't won your heart yet this part was amazing she flips off the box there's a bunny kid inside of it she tackles him his father comes out and he's like let me go and she's like no I got you (laughs) Um, and and, but anyway so and I didn't write the name of the dad but the kid's name is Kikila and, and, and they're not bunnies they're almost like antelope bunnies yeah yeah yeah. um and the dad's like hey he should be allowed to go play but man my restaurant i just need help running it and and golem's like well i can i could do the job so he gets hired as a waiter here um so if you were hoping for intense action at this point nope waiting tables I go, yeah, I was cool with it. um it's because he's a robot <laughs> he's the best waiter around he is a good waiter yep Yep. Um, while waiting tables, he actually hears rumors of humans that have appeared on the other side of the desert on the southwest region. Doesn't really matter. He hears about humans. He's like, okay, we got we got yeah. we got we got to cross the desert. There's rumors of humans. Um, she, uh, Somali does some stuff. She wants to go play. He just doesn't want to talk to her. He's too busy, um, and so she's. She's worried that he doesn't really want to be with her. Um, she wants to go outside and play. He's like, nope, I said you had to stay in the restaurant. And he's not that mean. He's, he's very robotic about it. He's yeah. like, you have to stay in the restaurant. This is where it's safe. This is what we talked about. And the dad of the restaurant is like, oh, I told her she could go out with my son to go shopping. He's like, hey, go. I'm like, chill, dude. They can go. <laughs> so he allows it. They go shopping. And she starts crying because of, you know, I don't think my dad really wants to be with me. And, and little Kiki is like, okay, I got this. Let's go into the super dangerous caves and get a flower that grants wishes. Booyah! <laughs> like, this is so realistic of what little kids would be, like, feeling and talking about. Like, what, my dad hates me. Is? Like, that is so typical. And then, like, oh, yeah, let's go do this dangerous thing to solve our issue. It's like, that's... T- I, I I found that endearing. So they go into this cave. Uh, and so why this is called Anthole City is like these caves are super complex and there's a super amount of life forms inside it. Um, they wander around for a while. They find some butterflies and they're like, hey, those butterflies like to eat the flowers that grant wishes. So they, they follow the, the butterflies and they find the flowers that grant wishes. They pick it. And this mushroom grows like a dozen eyes that and was starts cool. trying to kill it. Like I was like, yeah, that's yep. everything here is like 
presented as it, it's it's this magical fun world but it's like you know, it has an edge to it there's a darkness that permeates everything they eat humans here it's it's not as chill as it's pretending to be mm-hmm. um she's saved by the the one-eyed wolf guy with rika um what what did you guys think of of our hero who who's present it's very clever at the end of this episode when it does its uh next episode it shows like the little rabbit kid being like i'm standing up to you in a very similar spot and then it shows Mithrika, and you're like, oh, he's a he's like a bandit, or he's here to kill a human. Uh, and then like the next episode starts, he's like, no, I'm like a tour guide for this place. What are you kids doing yeah. in here? Yeah. Uh, thoughts on Mithrika? No, I liked this guy because he was just this gruff, you know, dangerous looking uh, wolf man, and we come to find out he's just got not just a heart of gold, but a huge heart of gold. Um, he. He's uh, and he just it, because there's this part where he's like, "You kids can't be going down there. You need to get out of here." They're like, "Yeah, but we want to get our wish." He's like, "Or if I don't take you." <laughs> <laughs> but, really you know, easy to he, convince him. <laughs> I know, right? He doesn't seem to be a parent, or at least it's not portrayed that he has a child. Um, but he's definitely the uh, I'm 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 gonna take care of my you know, um, my brother's kid kind of yeah. attitude to him. So he's, uh, yeah, I really enjoyed this guy. I wish he had more screen time, honestly. He's pretty cool. I don't really have too much to add about his character, but his character design, on the other hand, I was so confused by it. Like, I don't know if this is drawn from an actual mythological creature that they're inspired by or maybe taking verbatim, but wow, like wolf, one eye, Wings coming out of the sides of his head, yeah, no. and then eyelashes that come out and never end. <laughs> they are so huge. Um, so yeah, very interesting. I'm still thinking about that character's design and just wow, so uh, confused. I think he's a fun character in that he, you know, he's someone who will scold Golem for for bad parenting. Um, but After also taking them down into that yeah, dangerous it's kind area. of insane that they're like, we want to get a wish on a flower, and he's like. All right, yeah, we'll go into the super dangerous case. I'm cool with that. Mm-hmm. <laughs> what? what? Wow. Okay. Um, he's got a crossbow. He's fine. <laughs> uh, so yeah, they they do journey further into the cave. Um, they they cr- they cross a river, and he crosses first. And he's like, yeah, you gotta cross the river, or you die. Um, <laughs> and and Somali does, but she almost falls in, but he catches her. And then they just leave the, the little rabbit kid behind. And he's like, well, who's going to catch me? And he's like, well, figure it out, kid. I don't care about you. <laughs> For this human girl. Um, and, and the whole thing, uh, so I forgot to mention, the flower that she picked for the granting the wish was starting to die. And it was, they said, yeah, you got to get one from a bigger tree so it can survive the trip. Because the whole thing is you have to get it home alive for the wish to come true. So they go to find the bigger tree. Um, the kid literally takes them all in. They jump off a cliff because there's these bouncy mushrooms to get down. They find <laughs> the big tree. They get the flower, and this giant monster, like iguana thing, comes out. Um, this is and this is the scene where Kiki Lock gets in front of Somali to protect her. But Somali's like, "Hey, I'm here to save my dad. You know, I just gotta please leave us alone." And then like two babies are on its head, and it's like, "Peace out. I respect you." <laughs> now, this part was tough. 
Yes, thank you. <laughs> but is it? No, guys, I gotta ask. In this world, we see most of, most of the creatures are human size and intelligent, yeah. and it, it seems to be that there are also actual monsters in this world. But in one episode during a story, there's like this big giant two-headed dog that's talking. So it could it be possible this is an intelligent man that's just like, oh yeah, no, dude, I was just walking by with my kids. No worries. Well, I mean, I guess it could be. I yeah. Muthrika says that it's the guardian of these trees down here, or the guardians of the wish flowers or whatever. But I mean, I don't know. He's certainly living a solitary life down here. I, I he guess is. I guess to to put it better, is it so much of a stretch to say this creature couldn't understand what she was trying to say? Uh, it, if if the main protagonist in Demon High School can tame the creature of the death canyon then no that's not too much of a stretch that's exactly where my mind went it was the same exact situation <laughs> just as silly <laughs> two species that can't communicate somehow the children learn how to communicate and communicate yep. that to their parent well i mean uh, okay i i guess you kind of gotta get a, like isn't japanese culture very much like we can we have a connection with nature and there's our spirits are connected. Kind of thing. This is far from like <laughs> anime it? breaking for me. So I I hand waved this scene away. I just I, I was just pointing it out that it was a little ridiculous as far as the story that was being told. I, I, other than finding a tropey, I was fine with it. Mm. It was just a very very tropey. Yes. Um, they go back to the restaurant with the flower intact. And Golem is quite upset. And he's like, why? Oh, he doesn't you... have emotions, remember? Yeah. <laughs> he's like, why did you disobey me? And she's like, no, I had to get the wish, Dad. And it, we had a guide. It's fine. He's like, it says, if you're going to keep acting like this, I can't keep going with you. And so she runs off crying. And, and that's when the wolf guy's like, parenting shouldn't be done through fear. A hole. <laughs> God. I felt like he was talking to me. Right? <laughs> Damn it. I, I actually look back as a kid, and I'm happy that there was an element of fear from my parents. It was, it was the right amount. Well, and also, I found it funny coming from the guy who took them down to dangerous territory. Mm. That, that too and even said, we'll leave you behind. To, <laughs> Sounds like it. To, to be fair... Uh, he's not saying parenting with, you know, res taking responsibility and repercussions for your actions. Uh, this is literally a, a father telling his daughter, I will abandon you if you don't ever listen to me. Um, <gasps> that's a little extreme. That That's like, and not something he would even do. He's just, he's so desperate. And, and God, I've been there, right? Like, how do I get this kid to listen? And, and, and you come up with like, what if I tell him Santa Claus will never come again? You know, th that kind of thing that's just so... I, I need to break you <laughs> to, so you'll listen and, and you're desperate and then you realize, like, no, that's not the way. Like, obviously, there's there's being responsible and, and there are repercussions for your actions. That's completely different than what he's talking about here. This is, you know, literally hanging a threat that she can't handle to push her into obedience is not the way to do it. I also took this scene as he was attempting to, you know, put the fear of God in her kind of thing. But I think he 
didn't quite mean I'm going to abandon you. I think he was saying more like, we're going to have to figure something else out because we're not going to be able to travel until you listen. But because he's a robot, he it came out really bad. Mm. Mm. Uh, they then find her on the floor and she's sick. Um, he tries to get her to eat and she won't. And he, you know, he just kind of points out that there's been just a lot of stress for her. There's been a lot of things going on. Um, and it's just worn her down finally. And he... He's like, everyone's like, the shops are closed. He's like, no, I have to get medicine. He runs out into the night. He wakes up a medicine shopkeeper. The shopkeeper, he's like, I need medicine. He's like, okay, for what species? All, All species? He's like, well, <laughs> that's really expensive medicine. If, it, if you tell me the species, I can make it. I'll take the real. And you got to remember, they're short on money. They've been saving on money. They're almost ready to leave. And so he gives them like all his money to, to get this medicine for her, um, you know, like any parent would, right? That's, there's no sacrifice to protect your child. That's what you got to do. Man, this moment was really cool. Um, and then when <laughs> he gets her to take the medicine and they have, when she's feeling better, they have this reconciliation. He apologizes for his actions. She apologizes for hers. Um, and then he, she makes him promise he's never going to leave her. And he does. And then Which at the end... It's not something AI would do. But anyways. And then at but, the I, I will say that, like, you know, Jeremy was in text saying, you know, I'm not a parent, so some of these story beats are not exactly <laughs> hitting me right. Uh, when he ran out into the night, I was like, I was recalling the I, I, a couple times where I've had to run my kids to the hospital late at night when I all I wanted to do was lay down and sleep. Um, I'm just like, yeah, it doesn't matter what time of night, what's going on. If something needs to happen for your kids, you just do it. And yeah, that that beat hit me pretty hard. Absolutely. Um, uh, Matrika has a one final scene here where basically he's like, "Golem, I can tell you're about to die," and all that girl wants, and he'd already told him about the promise. He's like, "All that girl wants is to spend time with you. Don't you betray her." And Golem basically says, "I might have to." Yeah, <laughs> and this is I, I bring this up this story point because it's very important. Like she brings up this promise almost every episode from this point on. Like he promised together forever. While we know the audience, there is a ticking clock. This is a finite relationship. It ends at a point. Or is it? Or <laughs> um, they say goodbye. They leave the city. They go on to uh, a wagon ride to the next city in the desert. Um, it's in a hollowed-out volcano, and while they stop to eat there, uh, Somali gets in an argument with a harpy over a bowl of ice cream. Uh, this harpy's name is Uzai, and she's calmed down by her traveling companion, whose name is Hitora, uh, who, who's in a bird mask and presumably also a harpy. Obviously and, wearing a mask. Yeah. Yeah, super. I obvious. was like, oh, is he a doc- plague doctor? <laughs> <laughs> yeah, right? Uh, and they, they end the up befriending... End up befriending Golem and Somali, um, and yeah, they, they're like, hey, come with us, and we find out that Uzai is taking care of a human as well, and Hitora is that human. Thoughts on Uzai and Hitora? I bet I can guess Jeremy's. <laughs> Apparently Uzai is a crybaby. Cry baby. Um, <laughs> yes! Yes! Um, I found this couple fascinating, and there's so much to unpack with their story 
that it is actually a little it, for me it was a little rough to watch i was just like this this is this is dark for the story that it's being told outside of their like travels um but as far as their personalities and everything i thought it was pretty good um and i do like how there's one moment where she whispers in his ear in their hotel room and we come to find out later what it is and he's horrified at the idea even though he believes that that's probably the most likely way to save his life um kind of shows you where their relationship and their morality is um and i and i actually appreciated that about the characters that like in the end they end up deciding that that what the right thing to do is yeah i loved these characters i thought these characters were really really cool um up until this wrong wrong. (laughs) (laughs) i was gonna hate these characters no um she cried too much for me that was really annoying um but i i did enjoy the fact that uh uh pointed that out with uzoi is a crybaby (laughs) but um i i uh up until this point i was getting really bored like i was having a hard time staying focused i was even having a hard time staying awake sometimes which never happens to me with anime (laughs) but uh but then when I saw these two characters get introduced and I'm like, okay, that's clearly a human underneath that mask. That's a mask. All right. Okay, cool. Yep. He's a human. Those look like harpy feathers. Okay. All right. So I wonder what his story, how did he get that? Is that harpy STD? Like, what is that? (laughs) And then, uh, and then come to find out it's much, much worse. And the storytelling for that, in my opinion is, is beautiful. I thought it was great how you have like a character that, in every way that we're shown is a good person uh, put in a situation where he's got to choose impulsively and he does so and, you know, makes a bad decision. But at at the same time, you can understand why he makes the decision that he makes. And it even gives you tells where in the moment, maybe it wasn't, maybe he could have avoided the situation entirely. Right. And we'll, we'll get into those. I'll mention them when you describe it, but, like finding out their history and finding out why she's traveling with him and even just their scene of how they deal with, you know, her finding out this great big horrible secret that he's been carrying for however many years they've been traveling together. Um, and their eventual reconciliation was, was pretty heartwarming. Actually, that was, that was pretty touching for me. Um, so yeah, I like these characters a lot. I hope they come back. Oh, man. Um, I think it's absolutely fascinating to see another human slash creature relationship. Um, I really like the parallels and the the contrast between our main characters. I was really worried that they were suggesting that there was a darker uh, backstory to Golem and Somali's origin or meeting. Uh, I'm really glad there wasn't. Uh, Uzai I'm fine with. Uzai's decisions make sense, right? Like, I'm trying to save the person I see as my father, and I'm willing to kill and do a horrible thing because of it. Fine. Itora infuriates me to no end. I can't stand him. Because he's <laughs> okay. like, no, don't. Don't kill that innocent child. I mean, I'm not stopping you. Go ahead. Um, but yeah, don't. Um, I'm so weak and pathetic. Go kill or don't kill her. <laughs> if 
it's the closest I've ever seen anime come to Jerry Smith and Rick and Morty. Um, the fact that he like embraces his patheticness to get what he wants, and and he's like, oh, I, uh, he, I can't. I every, didn't get that at all from him. That's fascinating. Every choice he makes is just like, I don't, this might be sexist, but man up, dude. Come on. <laughs> Tell her not to murder an innocent child if you don't want her to. Uh-huh. Don't be like, oh, you're going to murder this innocent child. Well, I'll go load up the wagons. I'll see you later. <laughs> right, but if you see, like, like, you've been hunting for some sort of cure for who knows how many years, mm-hmm. and this finally stumbles along, and you're like, this could be my one and only shot before I die. We've seen him do worse things in desperation. So yeah. I don't, that's or why equipment. I was like, He's he's obviously someone that has bad impulsive decisions under desperation and distress. Mm-hmm. Not not saying it's a good thing, but yeah. I mean, I, and yeah, it's it irritated me too. I mean, it's yeah. like you, you could have said, "Hey, let's not do this thing. We'll keep looking." Yeah. Um, obviously, that was the better choice, but I thought there's the the way it was told was. Uh, consistent with the world, I guess. And with his history. Um, yeah, I very much saw it as we've been looking for so long for a cure. Is she even really human? Like, she can't be right. Uzo, I can't be right. I've never seen another human. You know, even that kind of thing where, like, she he's in denial is what I saw. Um, and then, yeah. But in the end, I mean, he made the right decision. <laughs> Even if he's in denial, he's still going along with a murder of an innocent child plan. Yeah, but he's also a coward. Yeah. Yes. He, he's absolutely a coward, and we really don't get a recon- or like any character growth from him until the end of this arc. Right. Like I said, he's, he's Jerry Smith. He's a coward. <laughs> he's... Feel, feel bad for me. My, my life was so bad, and that's literally his his weapon to get through life. He, even, he like even weaponizes his fault. His, 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 yeah, he weaponizes his patheticness. Well, I mean, wait a minute, though. Aren't you guys being a little harsh? Um, I am. The entire village was slaughtered of humans. He preserved his family by going and hiding in a cave. That's not really cowardice. That's survivalism. And then he was trying to find food for them because they were starving after three days. But that, and but he, that was he couldn't decision. find... Well, but he was looking for food for them. Like, what decision would he have other than to hide? And look for food. Oh no, no, I'm not talking about that being a coward. I'm talking. He's an emotional coward. Hmm. He's willing to do terrible acts to hide from his own self. Right. Even even his sacrifice at the end is an act of cowardice. In that, that's what I'm talking. If I die, at least I don't have to face this problem I created. Well, that's usually what suicide is: is an escape, anyways. So, I mean, I do I do agree with that, but like. I don't know. It it fit really well for him as a character, and I don't know. I saw it as somebody who they kept being being dealt a really difficult hand to deal with, and so for for instance, like just the fact that he couldn't save his family, he he brought back something for his family to eat that wound up killing them. Like imagine the trauma. What would that do to your psyche? How would that fracture you? Like what would matter in this world? if you killed your family by trying to help them. Right. And so his whole, 
So like when you wind up then immediately having this little girl show up and it's like, oh yeah, that thing you just did, it didn't just affect your family. It also affected this little right. girl. So, so like, his whole life oh. is to make amends and to take care of this thing, which is fine. But then he's also going around looking for a cure for him. I think he's just doing that because she wants to find a cure for him. That's the impression I got. Because he doesn't really seem to care about him. Which then brings us she back does. to the being okay with murdering an innocent little kid. <laughs> Which I again I think is denial, but it is a matter of perception. No, and... no, not not he's not he's not in denial. She's going to murder the kid. He might be in denial. She's a human, but Uzai fully yeah. intends to take this child to the desert and murder her, human or not. It doesn't matter. There's still a murder well, plan. With that kind of trauma, though, and with the kind of experience that he had gone through, watching all those villagers get killed and everything, I don't think that there would be the same sensitivity toward, you know, non-humans for Except him. For Uzai would. Out. Uzoi would probably be the exception. I, I, it's it's not that he's a bad written character. It's just he's a character I don't want the main yeah. character being friends with. Like this guy That's sucks. Fair. Leave him alone. That's fair because he is a terrible person. <laughs> Thank you. That's all. That's I, what I'm I, I disagree. I disagree. Like I I like that Jerry Smith is in Rick and Morty, but I don't want Jerry Smith to be my friend. <laughs> I mean, we see a lot of characters in here who are on an edge. Right. And they're trying to figure out what the right moral decision is between their own desires or the desires of those that are close to them versus this other group of people that are going to suffer if they follow their desires. And he's on that, too. And in the end, he made the right decision. So I actually I don't think he's a terrible person for that. I think that he actually faced and surmounted something that was his, an issue. His patheticness and his unwillingness to face his own self forces him into awful situations where he has to make pretty terrible decisions. And some of those decisions are the wrong decisions, in my opinion. So, um, mm. like, like I, I think Troy put it well. I think he's a well-written character. He's just irritating to watch, and I don't want him to be friends with my main character, who I like. So what was the wrong decision that he made? Uh, other than, okay, other than letting Uzoi do this. Uh, well, I mean, maybe we could get into it after we expand upon the story, or should we yeah. break I, everything? Here? I honestly didn't think that in, in this podcast the discussion of Hytora would be the essential thing. <laughs> <laughs> um, just just because we gotta go for it. Let me Deep yeah. Dive. Let's, let's go forward with a little bit more plot, and then and then revisit. Sure. Let's go through Hytora okay. and Uzai's whole. Plot. yeah let's do that um, okay they traveled together basically somali is like hey i really like this harpy girl and the harpy girl's like you're an annoying little kid but then clearly is growing affection for her as a friend um but then they eventually and they see like a, a monster at one point there's monsters in these deserts they they spend the night in some caves they go out looking for bugs they come back and they're like okay what well, let's also go get some water they go out to get some water and this is when uzai is planning to kill Somali. The whole thing is, they were told by a fortune teller, if you need innocent blood of a human to cure his disease, he has a disease where he's he's dying. His blood's tainted, um, and so she's going to drink Somali's blood and give it to him. Uh, Hitora then tells uh, Golem, "Hey, Mister Golem, I, I gotta tell you something. Uh, my my daughter is gonna go murder your daughter. I'm so sorry. I didn't mean this. Uh, let's go find them." Uh, Somali gets away from her and f ends up falling into some water and then gets saved by Uzai. And Uzai's like, okay, I, I can't do it. I can't kill you. I do like you. 
Um, Golem shows up, and and Somali's like, oh, "This is my friend now. Don't don't hurt her." Um, and they go stay the night at the camp, and then Golem and Hitora talk about their backstories. And Hitora's backstory is he lived in a village of humans. The monsters came and attacked them, uh, wiping you know in their quest to wipe out humans. Him and his family hid in caves. After watching people being dismembered and eaten, they hid in a cave for as long as they could, and then he went out to find food because they were dying. He came upon a, a harpy woman. He murdered her um, and then brought the body back and said, we, this is what we have to eat. We have to become like them. We have to become monsters. We have to eat like they eat. And they ate the harpy, but it poisoned them, and they died of feather overdose. Yeah. that's a funny way of putting it but it's actually it's, it's a really horrifying scene the little daughter with her feathers bulging out of her eyes and her mouth as she dies and it only consumed part of him his eye and some side of his head so he didn't die but he, that's where his poison came from and then in the at the edge of the cave is this little baby harpy girl looking for her mom um who is uzai so he has risen or raised uzai ever since then but never told her the truth uzai hears this um, and so the next day, and I hate when people like learn something like this, and then like next day, like how did that person sleep at night? <laughs> that that would rock their world. Anyway, so they're they get he hit by. He probably a... didn't sleep the first couple nights, but go on. No, her uh, Uzai Uzai hearing this. Oh yeah, yeah. Uh, and then okay. and then we just skip to like the next day, and I'm like, man, there's just got to be so much that happened for her in between mm-hmm. that time. But anyway, they get hit by another sandstorm. Uzai and Somali fly out. Um, they Golem finds them being chased by a monster, and Hitara is like, I will be the decoy and draw the monster away. Um, and it chases after him, and he's like, Well, this is how I atone, I die. Mm-hmm. And Golem and Uzai save him, kill the monster, and she yells at him, like, You don't get to die, you don't get to get out of this, you are going to take care of me for the rest of your life, you're going to make up for what you did. And he says, I will make up for what I did. And the relationship starts to be mended, although we'll never be the same again. Mm-hmm. And that's basically their story. And, and um, there is there is a really good conversation I like where um, Golem and Tara, after most of this has happened, have a conversation about being parents, about peace of mind and raising a child. And Golem admits that bringing happiness to Somali fills me with a completeness that I didn't realize this is a mo- I actually got teary at that moment. I was like, man. Oh, here it comes. <laughs> <laughs> uh, I'm going to skip it. I'm going to skip it. Oh. I, love be- I-, I have four kids. I love being a parent. But that's all. <laughs> I'll leave it at that. <laughs> uh, maybe, we'll- maybe I'll touch on it at the end. Uh, just because I know there's there's more to talk about Hitora and, and Uzai. So that's basically their plot. Hmm. Now, what would you like to to you want us to point out where his mistakes are? Yeah. So, so what I want to ask is, it's clear that he made a poor decision when he killed the female harpy, but I don't think that's necessarily an objectively bad decision. I can see in the impulsive situation that he's in at that time that he would come out there and be like, "It's a grotesque. I just saw grotesque killing everybody that I know. My family's gonna die. She's right here. I gotta finish her." And We'll just take that back, even though the berries are in her hand. So clearly she knew what to harvest. He could have just figured that out, um, presuming that they would be able to eat the same food. So, right, there's one. My, my issues aren't, aren't anything in his backstory. Okay, so the only things that are left are really just him allowing Uzoi to pursue this, which yes. I would so, argue so, 
That's a big one. Yeah, that's a big one. But I would argue that, number one, he didn't believe that Uzoi would actually go through with it. And number two, well, probably that's the, the main one. But number two is that the uh, um, I, I think that he didn't believe that it was a human either, which would probably stop her from going through with it. But because it wasn't until she gave him that look as they were going to get water where he's like, oh, crap, she's actually going to do it. And then he immediately went to Mr. Golem and started talking to him about it. So I, I did see the moment that he believed she would do it. He took action. But up until then, so that to me says that he didn't necessarily believe that she was going to do it. Now, when it comes to him sacrificing himself, I see two reasons why he did that. Number one is, yeah, to escape. Because what he did was so horrible and he's wanted to just stop having that guilt for a very long time, I'm sure. But the second reason, like you brought out when you were describing it, was to atone, right? If he took her mother away, it would be the greatest way in his mind to say, here, I'm going to give you something of equal value, my life. So I don't know. Those are the only two things that I can see and I can understand and both of them from his perspective. So I guess I don't see him as like terrible. I see him as like somebody who just barely hung on to a form of morality <laughs> for the first one, for the, for the Somali one. So you want to go, Jason? Yeah, uh, sure. So my issues with this character was, you know, yeah, he just went through a horrible experience. Yes, they're trapped in this cave for a while. Why were they in the cave for so long that he couldn't go foraging for food? That was that was one. But then the other is like, the first grotesque he comes up, you know, in his mind, grotesque he comes upon, he's like, I need to murder this person. Mm-hmm. Um, you know, sure, he didn't know if, if she was a threat or not, but he could have gone the other way. He did not need to murder this thing. Um, it, it, it was picking berries. Like, it, he had it hadn't seen him to yet. see what she was doing, huh? It hadn't seen him yet. Right. She Every other so, grotesque he'd seen ate his neighbors. Like, why would he think that she's not going to? She she didn't know he was there. Not she she was she didn't pose an immediate threat at that moment. I don't know. I the trauma that he's been under, I just I could see it. If you if you saw if you saw this particular group that you put in the same category. And they just came and they killed everybody you know in horrible ways and gleefully dismembered them. And then you see one of them and they haven't noticed you yet and your family is like starving to death back here. I don't know. Like, it just My first thought is not food, like, but that's me. Right, hold on, well, guys, yeah, guys. I would want to eat her, but... Yeah, I gotta stop it. Uh, just because we're, we're already gonna run long in this episode. Okay. So, so... Um, but I, I just to wrap it up, we're each going to say one last statement on this. Um, so, so I don't agree with Jason about what happens in the cave. Like I said, everything in the cave, the backstory is extreme circumstance and almost feels like it happened to a different character. Um, I, I do hold him responsible, especially since she literally tells him, "I'm going to murder this little ch- child," and the whole part of the plan is let's bring her out to the middle of the desert and kill her. He knew from the very beginning what was going to happen. And went along with it passively, um, and then at the last moment is like, "Oh, I'm so sorry. I didn't. I didn't. I feel bad. Like feel bad earlier, a hole." Um, <laughs> <laughs> uh, 
the second is is the and not so much, but like because he is trying to save her life. But the I'm gonna sacrifice. I'm gonna save her by dying. Then I also don't have to face her. But the third one is literally the not facing her. Um, he he lied to her her whole life, and yeah, that's going to be a hard truth to reveal. Um, but I also like I don't think you should not tell a kid they're they've been adopted their whole life so that when they're 18 their whole world gets shattered because you kept a secret um and this is obviously a much bigger and worse one but that truth he's taking responsibility for his actions by raising her sure but he's not taking responsibility by keeping the truth from her and letting her dote on him and love on him and make the choice of what relationship wants to have with his history with her um he he he's a coward and he wants everyone to feel bad for him about it. Like I said, a well-written, complex character. I just don't want him to be friends with Gollum, who is a good-hearted. Uh, that, that's my that's my last statement. So both mm. of you can can go one more, and then whether we agree or not, we have to move on. All right. Mm. So my last statement is, I have a lot of issues, and that was just beginning at the beginning. Uh, my biggest issue with him is the cowardice that the moment he had an opportunity to run from this truth that uh, uh, Uzoi learned, he immediately took it because that death was less painful than having to face that he killed her mom. So um, that to me, that cowardice and weaponizing his patheticness was, yeah, I didn't, yeah, I didn't want my main characters liking him. Okay, um, so so my last statement is I didn't see him as weaponizing his patheticness. I see him as somebody who was trying to take care of basically a casualty of his bad circumstance and bad decisions that he made under duress and in trauma. Uh, his way of trying to rectify the situation. And obviously he's doing a good enough job raising her that she is doting on him, that she is loving him. It doesn't seem to me that he's taking advantage of that. It seems to me that that is a product of him doing a good job. Um, And I think that when it comes to his trying to escape her, I didn't see it as him trying to escape. Um, Like I said, that's there's always an element of, you know, trying to get away from guilt or trying to get away from something else or make somebody feel something when you are going to do that, but a suicide, but in his situation, it just seemed like the culmination of so much guilt that he'd been carrying and he'd been hiding from her. I think he was hiding it from her at first because it was, you know, what good is that going to do if he tells like a four or five or six year old that he, how their mother just died and what he did that he ate her. Like, I don't know. I just, it doesn't seem like it would be an effective way for him to try and help that child because he didn't know where to take her or what to do with her. He probably thought that she would die out there in the forest. So in order for him to actually provide assistance, he would not be able to tell her. So what is the threshold when he could? I don't know because it just gets worse and worse and worse at that point. If you don't tell her immediately, then every day, every month, every year that you spend with her compounds the lie. And so eventually, I imagine he would probably just wish that he'd never have to tell her because there's no way to fix that. Um, 
I mean, I, I don't know. I guess I can just kind of see where he's coming from. I can empathize that logic of like, ugh, that would be so horrible. But then um, when it when it comes to to the end there, um, it just seemed to me that he was he was finally able to rest. It was a big burden, is how I interpreted that. Um, and there is no right decision as far as on the trip though. He did not know that she was going to do it because he was shocked when she gave him the look saying that she was going to. And he was correct because she couldn't do it in the end. So he knew that her character would not be able to carry out such a horrible thing. And they wound up delivering them to their destination safe. So I don't know. Yeah, that's my last statement. I don't know. (laughs) All right. So they resume traveling. Um, They do part ways with them. After learning about a repository of knowledge, which I don't know why anyone would just call it a library. It is a library. Everyone else calls it a library, but he calls it, you know, this horrible character calls it a repository of knowledge. Horrible anyway, character. Um, uh, they, so, yeah, uh, Somali and Golem go their own way, and they, they reach a witch village. Um, and we haven't really seen magic up to this point, I don't think. But then there's, like, which is suddenly flying on brooms. I'm like, oh, okay, so it's a magical world. Like, the golem himself seems pretty magical, but I was like, is it tech? Is it a robot? But okay, no, it's, it's a magic world. Um, and again, the witches all appear very human, and, and they're serving food and drinks in the streets. They're selling, you know, they give Somali food. They go inside, and they ask for a book on humans. And they're like, yeah, we have one. Mm-hmm. Let's go get it. Uh, with this witch named Hazel, and it's not there. She's like, okay, well, I know who would have it. So they go see Hazel's sister, Praline, and she's a, they call her a bookworm, um, and she's got a room full of books that she just reads. It's a dad joke. <laughs> no, I just it just put two and two together. A, ha- a witch named Hazel, witch Hazel. And Praline. I'm not sure why I just got that. Anyways, oh, go on. Witch Hazel. <laughs> okay. Um... <laughs> So, so basically, witches' functions in, in this world is they literally just go around collecting copies of books and bringing them to this library, sorting them so that all knowledge of all the of the whole world has been saved into this one place. Um, Alexandria. They they look for this <laughs> book, humans, and um, it's actually Somali who finds it. But when she pulls it, like these green globs of goo fly into the air and they turn into fish. And they're like, oh, yeah, they're... There's a problem in our library. We have these skeleton fish monsters who eat ink. And, you know, they show up at certain times of the year, but not now. This is really weird. This has happened. And they fight off the fish, but then the fish all form into one giant fish. And Somali tries to run with the book, and she trips and falls like she often does. And by the way, that's not a anime trope. That's a kid trope. If they run, they're going to fall you, t- yeah. you see your kid running, you're like, no, 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 please stop running because a fall is imminent. <laughs> always, <Yeah>. always. <laughs> um, and it's true with her. Uh, she drops the book. The giant fish eats the book. They, they manage to kill the fish. And like, okay, so what do we do now? And they're like, well, why don't we see who's the last person to have read the book? And like, oh, look, it's the head librarian. Um, we'll give you directions in the library to get to her. We also find out that's the author of the book, so the only person who's ever read this book or the last person who read this book was the author. That's a little odd. Um, but yeah, so they they descend into this labyrinth of this library, which apparently they're not supposed to do and weren't told about. 
because they trip alarms. Yeah, they trip <laughs> alarms, and these yeah. security bugs start chasing them. They have. Um, we also, when the giant fish came, Golem actually fought it to save Somali, mm-hmm. and like these wing tentacles things came out of his back and killed it, and we so can't cool. see his combat yeah. mode. And it was cool. And I also like that it isn't like used in every episode. I like that it. Yeah. I am a very powerful thing, but this isn't a fighting anime. I just have this threat to me. And Didn't he lose part of his wrist, like a bunch of the armor on his yeah, arm? Yeah, he loses a bunch yeah. of armor. I really liked that how they showed real damage to him, and, and it's and it was consistent. Mm-hmm. They dive down into like this pool of water down below, um, and then a voice calls to them, so they swim to it. And, but then the witch security team shows up, and they're like, "You're not supposed to be here." And the head, Karen. the head witch is like. Um, let them pass. I, I, I want to see what's going on. Let them in. Uh, and she's like this dried up carcass because witches that are the head witch get to live for very long. But she's on a she has a respirator. <laughs> she has a breathing mask. Uh, but yeah, she's she's close to death. And she's like, yeah, I wrote the book. I can tell you what the book's about. It's the story of Horizo. Horizo. Mm-hmm. Um, and, and it's not, not something that happened to her. It's that happened to the head witch before her. Her grandma or ancestor or something. Yeah. Yeah. Um, which was a, it's the story of a little witch girl who got hit by a windstorm and knocked onto this island. And she was found by humans. And the humans all lived in this village with a golem named Hariza, who they called the, the Lord of the Village. Um, but then she's like, What species are you? And they're like, Whoa, no one asks about species except for the grotesque, which is what they call the monster people. They're like, you're not one of them. And Hurry's was like, nope, that's totally a human, guys. I scanned her. Superhuman here. No need to be speciesist. And why are so... they okay with him? Well, that's a very good question. Yeah, that yeah, I was wondering the same thing, but I think that's a very important I there's I think this is a very super important backstory to our main characters because it's also about a golem taking care of humans and why mm-hmm. does why do humans tend to seem to get them to take care of them? Uh-huh. <laughs> Why do they tend to bond together easily? Um, I I suspect golems and humans are more connected than golems and the, the monsters. That's very possible. I thought it was weird that he had no armor, too. It made me think that maybe he was too old. That's my thing. So that, that, that was my theory. I, so at the end of the... I don't want to reveal the end. But I do think <laughs> there is a way to live past your 1,000 years based on this story and i think this story has the key to unlocking that i think horizon's mm-hmm. story Sounds. is very important to our main characters hmm, that's interesting mm-hmm. because yeah like jeremy pointed out he has none of the the armor skin but mm-hmm. his flesh skin underneath it seems perfectly healthy because mm-hmm. his eyes exposed all all the time right yep, he always has his eye yep. out yep which i think that um Golem's eye is always out too, but just has the metal, the, the hard skin over top of it. I think if that would, oh. space goes, it's just when he loses half of it. I think you can see part of the eye. You can see the muscle of it, definitely. Interesting. Anyway, uh, so in this, basically, she, this witch is like, oh, these humans are great. They're very nice, but whenever she eventually sees a grotesque come down, which is that a two-headed monster dog that I mentioned earlier, and they. It's like, leave me alone. I'm, I'm not trying to do anything wrong. I was just trying to get, walk one. by. And they're like, no, screw you. Kill it. And they, they murder it horribly. And she's like, okay, I, I got to leave. 
And, and Horizo was like, yeah, uh, there's going to be a wind. If you get it, it'll carry you back to your mainland and you won't, you know, you can leave. Um, and she, she goes and hides off by the cliff, getting ready for, to leave that night. And the village is looking for her, thinking she's a lost little girl. And her this girl she befriended comes and ends up finding her but falling off the cliff. The whole village shows up and she chooses, the switch chooses to fly on her broom and save this little girl, revealing herself as a grotesque to the humans. And they're like, no, you're a grotesque, we'll kill you. And Horizo comes out and is like, well, we're not going to kill her because she saved the little girl, but we are banishing you, so you have to leave. And the only thing that the little girl she saved is like, she can't be a grotesque, she's my friend. Mm. Um, which is like the last good thing the witch... Now, the witch had told... The witch is telling the story, whose name is Isolde. Uh, she had been told this story and had been told not to share it. But instead, she wrote it down in a book and shared it with the world, and she thinks <laughs> that's the reason every human has been killed. And Golem's like, yeah, that seems kind of, in, you know, unlikely, seeing how this happened everywhere, but okay. <laughs> mm-hmm. um, this is also the first time Somali is to faced with the prejudice that humans have for these creatures, really. And she's like, wow, am I going to be like that? And the witch is like, yeah, probably not. You seem like a good kid. Um, <laughs> it's much more mystical and, and Miyazaki than that, but uh, I'm going fast. Yeah, yeah. And, and that's the the end of the witch story. Oh, and so the witch this, dies and turns to butterflies. Uh, this particular episode actually made me connect more with Somali because uh, right at the uh, end of the um, Zoe's story is when my six-year-old started watching the rest of the anime with me. He, it caught his eye and he's just like glued to it. Um, and when he saw the people murdering the dog dragon thing... He was like, why are they killing it? Why are they hurting it? He said he's not going to hurt them. He says he's nice. And I'm like, yeah, my kid doesn't see the thing as a monster. He sees it as just another entity that is mm-hmm. wanting to live in the world. Uh, and I was like, yeah, that's how Somali sees the world, is that the you know it, it, either you're a threat or you're a friend. Mm-hmm. Any other thoughts on the witches? They were great. Yeah, they had great... Uh form I, like i said my my, my my only thought was that lord horizon is very 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 important to the story um especially. oh yeah he got sad when the the witch disappeared too like when she when she died yeah yeah colin has emotions <laughs> all right we uh the next episode starts with them walking in the rain while somali pretends to be a frog um and they take they take refuge in a home for sap harvesters d- during the Harvest mm-hmm. season. Um, Actually, they're breaking and entering. They have no idea whose house this is. No, oh, this they're is leaving a, some coins. <laughs> in yeah, in a fantasy world, that's totally allowed. You're allowed to. do Oh, that. fair enough. Yeah. This happens in fantasy things a lot. I feel like, like I, I was in the forest. I found a hunter's lodge. I had to stay there for the night because of the storm. It's Not in a lot of food, like, so I ate it. <laughs> yeah, it's, it's in a lot of like trapper wild west stuff too. Yeah. Yeah, there are yeah. three bears. I, I slept in one bed. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> anyway. didn't leave any coins. We're going to eat you now. Uh, they find cookbooks, and he, she convinces him to cook, and they make a souffle. And she eats it, and she starts crying. He's like, why are you crying? She's like, this is the first thing you've ever cooked for me, Father. And, and I'm just so happy. Um, and he's like really, you can tell he's like really touched by this. He's like, I, I don't understand, but that's really cool. <laughs> um, <laughs> and then her her tooth comes loose, and she's like, Oh my god! <laughs> yeah, I liked this sequence. This was good. Yep. And then 
they hear footsteps outside and someone's approaching and so he gets really worried and then someone knocks on the door and it's our characters shizuno and yabashiro who are yeah our friends have have shown back up and they're like oh my god you did learn how to cook that's so cool uh we'll stay with you we'll hang out together um but she is worried about her tooth, so she refuses to eat any more food. And then they go to Bygone City, <laughs> uh, which is the town of ruffians. It's like it's like Moss Eisley of this fantasy world. Um, mm-hmm. Star Wars reference. And they they are there to see a dentist. And in this world, dentists are little mice creatures that pry your mouth open, hold it open, and then go inside and like do construction work on on your teeth. Literally uh, mining with a like pick, yeah, yeah actual and, pick. Oh. And he's he and Shizuno is there to learn about this, right? And so he's asking questions, and he's basically telling him like, "Here's how I deal with cavities. Like, yeah, I pick it or I rip it out." And, and this little girl sitting there, like, with her loose tooth, like, "Oh my god, <laughs> this is terrible." <laughs> uh, they they leave, and Golem finally is like, "You've been acting weird and like touching your mouth a lot. Let me see your mouth." And she freaks out and runs off, runs into some ruffians. And when Golem and the rest catch up with them, they're like, you owe us money for bumping into us. And, and what do they say? They're like, you can pay us in broken bones. And so then Golem and Yabashiro just kick the crap out of them. They're like, stop. He's like, you did say we could pay in broken bones. They're like, we didn't need ours. I love that <laughs> oh, line. That's funny. That's that not was... how the sub went at all. Oh, yeah. what, did, what happened in the sub? Yeah, the sub, the sub was like, uh, uh, might makes right. That's all they oh. said was might makes right here. And so oh. they're like, yeah, well, here you go. <laughs> that was, was so funny because, yeah, he's like, we said we could pay broken broke bones. He's like, not ours. <laughs> I saw this like golem laying that's down a funny. dad joke in the middle of a fight. I was like, all right, that's cool. Oh, that's great. I think it was, it might have even been Yabashira that was saying you said might makes right in the sub too, mm. instead of the golem. That's interesting. Um, so yeah, they, they run them off, and uh, Somali tries running during the fight. Her tooth actually pops out, and she shows it to Golem. She's like, my tooth came out. And he's like, oh my god, her tooth came out. What do we do? And so they go back to the dentist, and the dentist is like, oh, that, that's a baby tooth. That's supposed to happen. Um, yeah, that's that's normal. It's um, funny to see the Golem fluff, flustered. There's, it's something funny when an AI gets flustered. Right, because he... he doesn't understand humans. He doesn't yeah. baby teeth. She's a no had heard of is like, it could be a baby tooth, I guess. Okay. Uh, really great scene here though. Cause the little mouse gives him this little um, cartridge and he's like, yeah, you put teeth in it, the baby teeth. So some parents want to keep them. And, and Golem's like, we're traveling. We don't have room for stupid stuff. He's like, Oh, I'll take it back. Then Golem looks at it. He's like, no, I'm going to, I'm going to keep it. <laughs> he wants to keep his kids too. And I was like, that's so sweet. And, and um, this just made her day. Yeah. Uh, it is also insane because with all the different creatures in this world, they all have the exact same number of teeth. <laughs> yep, exactly. Anyway, uh, yeah. <laughs> and... I never connected with that on with my kids. Like, I don't, I don't get the keeping like teeth. It's gross. <laughs> I, I did, I did keep them for a long time. My my, my first kids and, and the middle kid, and then at a certain certain point, I just had a Tupperware thing full of teeth, and I was like, "This is freaking weird." Yeah. <laughs> what if I become? I think I'm I think we're done with these, and we got rid of them. Um, Bone collector. <laughs> um, yeah. So that was a really nice moment. Then a lizard man is like, "Hey, I heard you beat up some people." 
I would like to hire you as bodyguards, and I will let you stay in a house. Uh, he explains to them there's something coming up called the Snow Crossing, where there's like a nonstop lizard for a week in this town, um, and he needs bodyguards to help him, and they can um, bunker down during that time. And so they take him up on this job, and then Golem explains the story to Shizuno about how he became the father because she's knows like she's human isn't she And he's like yeah how long have you done he's like yeah pretty much the whole time and he tells him the story which is basically what we saw in the beginning he he found a, a wagon of dead humans that were being transported as cargo um and then this little the animals took him to this little girl he's like hey you need to leave the forest <laughs> she's like father <laughs> and she started following him around he's like my father you need to leave the forest and then he starts feeding her so she won't die. And um, his the skin on his arm breaks and falls into the water. And she jumps into the water to save it. And she can't swim. And he pulls her out. He's like, what were you doing? And she's like, I had to save your skin. He's like, no, that's supposed to happen. And you can't swim. You will die. Look, I'm going to have to take care of you. <laughs> I'm going to find you humans. I get you food. And that's how they're. And re really where we started in the first episode is like, right after that like basically they got closed and then we joined the story mm -hmm. um between these two moments um he shows shizuno's body and we see that his um underskin is starting to deteriorate as well he's getting close to mm -hmm. closer to death and um shizuno agrees to raise somali for him if when the time comes um, which i thought was really cool uh, yeah grandparents or godparents yeah mm -hmm. um then, yeah, him and Yabashiro, Golem and Yabashiro do bodyguard work while Shizuno and Somali stay home and don't clean as well as they should. Um, <laughs> and, and eventually they find some yarn and decide to make a present for Golem and um, this, this I call her the sea monkey B-word, um, <laughs> named Rosa, this monster lady comes. Yeah. She's delivering supplies and she's like, oh, I know how to make a braid bracelet thing. And she teaches them how to do it. Um, and then at the end of the episode, she leaves and goes like straight to some bandits and is like, I freaking found a human. Let's let's do this. She's she's got to be an axolotl. Uh, you know, those weird like regenerating underwater lizard things that that. You guys are not familiar with them. Um, not by sound. I'm going to I'm going to send you a picture in chat then, because these uh, these guys. Are, oh, good. You guys are crazy moss eisley was a perfect description of this place by the way <laughs> yep do i ever fail to make my star wars references come on <laughs> me <laughs> all right um time keeps passing uh and then eventually rosa tells golem and yabashiro one day after work she's like hey i know you guys are leaving soon did you know there's a super super safe path that you guys could take that on any map uh let me Only tell you the about locals it know about it yeah um <laughs> And then Somali finishes her bracelet, and then we see Golem, like, they're buying supplies, and he sees, he's looking at a coat, he's like, I I'm gonna buy that, and Yabashiro's like, oh, that's a very pretty coat, he's like, no, that armor right behind it, that would super protect her, <laughs> and I was like, this is Jeremy Finds a Kid. <laughs> yes. Practicality. Trump's all. <laughs> I will dress for an armor plates. Yes. Um, uh, then he gets home, she gives him the present. And 
he's like, hey, I actually bought you one too today. I didn't make it. And then, so they, they exchange bracelets and they put it on their hands. Um, and then they go and they play in the snow. And I know, Jeremy, this scene bothered you, but I had a really big smile on my face. I know the still frames bothered That's you. That's why it bothered me was because it was so transparent. What it was trying to do was like, it, I, I could just tell it was trying to stroke this specific reaction. And I was like, no, I, no. You I have saw to be more it, subtle than this. <laughs> I saw it as a moment of light brevity before the what was obviously going to be a roller coaster of, of drama and action. Like well, one, if they, one last breath before we take the plunge. Yeah, I, well, yeah, the yeah, exactly. The event itself, I totally agree. Um, but the still frame, the style of presentation was what made it too obvious and not subtle enough. I think it would work great if it was animated all the way through. Did you laugh at the giant snowball by Golem though? Eh, it was sort of like a, huh, of course he'd do that. <laughs> All right. I, I didn't even give it that. No, <laughs> I, didn't have a, I didn't have a problem with the still frame. I just thought it was, you know, kind of nice hearted. Yeah. It, so it manipulative got, it, and lazy. It worked on me. So yeah, that, that's fine. But what doesn't work on you though? Yeah, I know you like last of us too. You know I was waiting for that. <laughs> I almost didn't mention it. I knew you were going to be... All right. So anyway, then they detect that human hunters are coming. Um, and they, they actually have to tell Yabashiro, like, hey, this she's a human and they're coming for her. And he's like, oh, we're, we're going to help a human. And then he, he talks to her and he's like, okay, no, I'm in. We, we got to save her. Um and the human hunters come, and Yabashiro like leads them off on, on a horse chase. Well, meanwhile, Golem and Shizuno and Somali go down into a mine that's a secret path under the mountain. Um, but they find some human hunters in there as well, and they end up fleeing deep. Like they have to dive down, like tunnels straight down. Um, the Golem is able to use his wing appendages things to save them. Uh, and then they run into Rosa, and she's like, oh, yeah, I totally forgot that one path was closed, so uh, I came to show you the way. And she's like, if you just would walk into this, not a cage, and it <laughs> closes the cage <laughs> um, on them. And not then she the she tells a story very similar to the stories we've seen so far, right? Like, there was a human village nearby a um, long time ago to the, the village there now, um, this this monster man found a boy in trouble saved him brought him back to the village and then the villagers shot him because they have guns now <laughs> yep i was wondering about that because it didn't seem like they had they were at that tech level before well they had flare guns so i mean i assume they could shoot deadly projectiles who had flare guns uh when they were in the desert with the with the zooey yeah they, they uh the right. uzai and hitora story had guns i totally forgot about that Good, good call. And they have a magical golem, so I mean... Well, yeah. Who can shoot fireballs? Arcanum of Steamworks and Magic Obscurum. So so basically, and she points out, like, this wasn't the only event, but these events kept happening, and eventually the monsters got sick of it and overran the humans and, and killed them all, and we don't allow humans to exist, and you have a human, so... And by the way, it's worth a ton of money on the black market, or regular market, they don't see black market, huh? Like we could literally sell that liver for so much money. Um, so they, and Golem's like, I'm kind of low on power right now. 
I need to wait for my time. And they come into the cage to get her. And he's like, okay, this is it. And he, he pulls out, his arm turns into like a claw. Like he's getting ready to fight. And then his arm just pops off um, and, and breaks off. And, and he collapses. And he's like thinking to himself, talking out loud, don't take her, don't touch her. But he's just laying unconscious on the ground. They pull her over. And he goes like into berserker feral mode. Um, this energy ball forms. And there's like a black dust all around him. He gets all these spikes growing out of him. He shoots fireballs at them. He starts chasing. They run away. He starts chasing them all. And Yabashiro actually stops him from killing the sea monkey B-word. Um, yeah, this is what I didn't like. And Why? Then, Why? Keep going, Trey. Why? <laughs> and then Somali defends her as well. And that's the worst. <laughs> and he... he he goes, he starts reaching for her, and they're like, watch out. She's like, no, he's just going to put his hand on my head. And then he does, and he passes out. Uh, they were literally going to cut that little girl up with axes and swords. They were standing over her, holding her down to chop her into little pieces. And she, instead of being scared and hiding, or instead of being, like, just not wanting anything to do with her, she protects her? You, this you think she's protecting Rita? manipulative. That's... That's... I don't think that Somali is smart enough or Somali is smart enough to figure out that this could cause irreparable damage to her dad's psyche. I don't think she's at that point philosophically moral. I think she just came out of a situation where she was going to be killed again. Second time, much more scary, much more visceral. And no, I think it was this, this did not ring true to me of how even a little kid would react. It was like, this was the idealized version of altruism. I disagree with everything that, I mean, this theme has been so prevalent through the whole story and been like shown to Somali over and over again, that killing doesn't fix anything ever and makes things worse that she wouldn't want her dad to kill somebody. I don't think that's no, I didn't, I didn't see anything that said killing has, she's been taught that killing is bad. She's just heard a couple of stories about things that happened in the past. Kids nowadays hear stories about things that happened in the past all the time, atrocities or good things, but that doesn't necessarily stop them from... But this is also a story serving that theme, so... And that's why I say it's idealized. Yeah, absolutely. She's idealized, and it's it's too much idealization to me. Not necessarily. I mean, the story had some sense of realism in, in some characters where they were painted with a very... Um, gradient brush, like the ones that we were talking about before, and we got into a nice deep discussion about them. But but Somali is just so she's so perfect, and and she's put through hell, and yet it doesn't seem to affect her at all. And to me, that doesn't ring true. That that comes off as like, oh, this just slides off her because she's that great, she's that altruistic, she's that idealized. I mean, she's only like what five. Six, maybe seven. They were gonna chop her up, man. What would that do to a little kid's psyche? I, I just, I disagree with. I think it fits everything that we've been presented so far. Mm-hmm. I can see your point, Jeremy, but I kind of agree with Troy in the fact that the moral that the of the story that this particular anime is trying to tell is that. We've got atrocity after atrocity, whether it be intentional or pushed to the edge, and none of it has brought forth good things. And here we are where we have a justified killing, and this little girl 
is going to prevent it because she abhors violence. I mean, sure, it maybe it's not idealized. Yeah, her life was in danger just a minute ago, but it you know it it kind of fits what's trying to be told here that we sh- you know that violence doesn't solve the answer. Feels like a writer's tool to me then, but yeah. Sure, yeah. I I think it came off well, but that was just my take. So Golem wakes up. Um, he's his arm is gone. He's highly damaged now. Um, this is where he mentions like he doesn't know how long he he's got to live. He apologizes to everyone for for what he's you know because he he hurt Yabashiro uh, by by knocking him away. He apologizes for his actions, and they set out again. Um, and it's it's very obvious that he's clumsy now. I go one point. He tries to pick up a cup of water for Somali who's choking. Um, not just she because he's too fast and she needs some water and he, he knocks over the cup. Um, he's just not functioning as well as he used to and he notices that. Um, they reach their next town and there's a festival going on. I, I wasn't quite sure where. I mean, it kind of is obvious where they're going with it, but I was a little surprised how they took this because they reached this festival and they're like, hey, yeah, this festival, these flowers go flying up into the air and we do that to honor our ancestors and their souls. And he's like, yeah, souls aren't a, a thing. People die, they go into the ground. And like, well, we here believe in souls and that's how we, you know, that's our belief. And he's like, that sounds more like a wish than a belief. You don't have anything to prove that. You just, you hold on to that, but that, so it's meaningless. Um and then they go and they enjoy the festival, and he's being extra nice to Somali, and she's even pointing out, like, why are you buying so, many, so much candy? He's like, because it's a festival. Don't worry about it. Um, <laughs> and then at, at one point, well, during the, the final ceremony, she's on Yabashiro's shoulders, and he, he just slips away, like, it's time to go. And she starts, she realizes he's gone. She starts freaking out. She's and I was like, yeah, he kind of decided it was time to go, that he was at the end of his life, and that you're going to be with us. And she doesn't accept that. She runs off into the woods, and she actually finds him at a lake. And he's like, no, you have to get away from me. I don't know what's going to happen to me. I don't know what's coming. And she's like, I don't care. I'm staying with you forever. He's like, I... she's like, aren't you going to be lonely? He's like, I've told you, I don't have emotions. I'm not going to be lonely. She's like, you do have emotions. <laughs> have you not been paying attention to this whole anime? <laughs> and, <then> he's... <laughs> and, and he he's like, you're right. I have emotions, and what I want is to be with you. That is, he said, literally says, my wish is to be with you, and so that's what I'm going to do, and then I'm always going to be with you. Even if I'm gone, my soul will stay with you. Um, and and that, that, that's right. And we get a shot of them going back with, with Shuzuno and Yabashiro, um, and, and that's, that's our ending for our anime. So your guys' thoughts? Um, I didn't like... The I'm going to disappear into the night thing. I was hoping that they would do more with because before the cave uh, fiasco, um, he's talking with uh, 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 Izano. No, wait. Anyways, she's Izano. And uh, he's like, you know, sure, you guys live a thousand years, but, you know, is there anything that can like repair you or sustain you? Or, you know, is, is there some way to. Uh, bulk against the natural order and I was hoping they would go more into that before the end of the anime Um, the walking you know the disappearing into the night was super cliche Um, I didn't quite like it but uh, you know the the ending was okay Uh, it was alright it didn't really hit any heartstrings i think i had more of a reaction from 
um, Uzoi and her human and their moment of reconciliation at the end. I, I definitely had more of a reaction to that. Um, but I, I did like how he was saying, you know, time left indefinite. <laughs> For a moment there, it was like going back to the robo and uh, just the way he said it. Um, and, and I knew that was coming. There was just this sense that by the end of the anime, he would, especially when we saw the this history in the book, um, and we saw that other golem. There just there had to be more to this, and some way for him to continue and survive. Although it did occur to me um, during the podcast, I wonder if, I wonder, I wonder whether the this is the cause or the product of the flower, the wish, or if this is really what was supposed to happen, right? Because she made a wish, right? She brought the flower back. It made it back alive, and she wished, and he promised, and now he is even contrary to nature. So. I don't know. Maybe. What do you mean, co- contrary to nature? You you think he won't die now? Yeah. He totally will still die. No, I think he believes he'll still die, but I don't think he will. I think he'll find a way not to. Always. Well, I, I'd like to hope in the story. Like, so the story is obviously open ended. You see them traveling together. He's, he's got a sh- now a shirt. And he ties up the arm, um, and I yeah. like that the arm is permanent lost. But um, mm-hmm. it, it's definitely open ended. Like he could die tomorrow. He could die 30 years from now. He could die 1,000 years from now. We just don't know. Yeah, yeah, absolutely. But I, but I absolutely love the I cried at, at the end. But I love, I love the souls and wishes don't exist. They're not things. And then at the end, giving into that and that sentimentality that even if this doesn't have value, it has value to me. Like, I will hold on to this. And... It really speaks to me as a parent, um, and the reason I got emotional about it is when you raise kids, it's finite, right? At a certain point, they're going to leave. At a certain point, I'm going to die. Um, you know, as long as natural order is followed, I- I'll be gone first, and they'll still be here, and I'll be gone, and, and nothing I can do can change that. And while this is like a, a hyper-realistic version of that, like you have a year and a half with me as a parent, um, this is more like... Yeah, my, my kids have a finite time with me and then I'm gone. But also, how I raised them, what I did as a parent will last for as long as their lifetime exists. I had an impact on their life. My daughter just got her first job. And like when she came and told me, you can just see in her eyes how much she wants it to matter to me. Like Even though she's now off on her own, she's doing her own thing, I still am there as her parent, even though I'm not raising her. Um, this really touches that moment of parenting is limited but also forever at the same time and he kind of he figures that out like yeah eventually i'm gonna die i could die tomorrow i could die five years from now i could die 30 years from now um you know but what i do with her every moment i spend with her lasts forever for her and that's worth doing and that's a, i thought it was a really beautiful message about parenting so i really like the end All right, let's go on to final reviews. Uh, Jason, what'd you think? Um, I thought it was, I thought it was good. Uh, I enjoyed myself watching it. It was, you know, had had a couple things that were, you know, very idealized. But then, um, I like I said, I thought it was a deeper anime than it was uh, uh, presenting itself uh, as just a father daughter uh, exploration. I think it was, you know societal issues and you know the ramifications of violence on a 
social level. Um, but, uh, you know, I didn't find myself like super into it. So I'll give it a three. Okay. Jamie, how are you? Um, this was the Father's Day pick, right? Because we just had Father's Day recently, right? I really, I really like that idea. I did not think of it that well. <laughs> yeah, this I was your that. opportunity, Troy. I know. Yeah. I, I'm, I'm not that clever, but yes, yes, you <laughs> did. You picked this on Father's Day. <laughs> we'll cut all that out. Cut all that out. But uh, yeah, no, I think, I think it was, uh, it was very entertaining, um, in a few sparse moments, and the rest of the time I was extremely bored. Um, so I've got to give it a two. All right. Uh, I'm going to give it a three because I, I don't think it's the most entertaining. Like I, said, I was bored at some moments. Um, I really liked the themes of it. I really liked the messages. I really liked just the chill feeling it gave me. Um, I wish there was more anime like this, uh, just in the world. It, this does, this feels kind of like a rarity and that kind of made it more special than it probably even is. Um, so, so, but a three for me, just because it, it it wasn't amazing. I, I don't even know if I'd watch a season two. I'm very satisfied with where I am at the ending, even with an opening. There is a season two. No, I said I don't, even if there oh. was, I, I don't. Yeah. I don't know if I'd watch it. This um, does not need one. Yeah, I, I'm I'm fine with the open ended ending. I feel very satisfied with what I what I got from the story uh, about a father and daughter. Uh, so yeah, three for me. Um, our next anime, our next podcast is our one hundredth episode our act and, and we've done mini sods too but our actual regular episodes it's our 100th so we're doing something very special uh something we've never done before we're gonna re-watch an anime together and then and discuss One of it our very first ones all over what are our, our very favorites. first ones kiz niver what no you son of <laughs> <laughs> i'm kidding uh they they wouldn't let me i try i tried to sell it oh. um we're oh, no. rewatching ReZero, uh, starting life in, in another world. The second season is coming soon. The, tra- the trailer just dropped. Um, I, I think it's July that the new episodes start. Uh, we are all huge fans. We were huge fans when we first watched it, but we've watched a ton of anime since then. So it'll be really interesting to see if anything has changed in our, in our perception of it. So we're going to rewatch it. Um, so our 100th episode will be the first 13. Mm-hmm. I think it's 13. Might be 12. <laughs> Check the show notes, please. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> uh, and then the rest of it will be our 101st episode. That is how we're going to do it. Uh, so we, we hope you follow along with us. You, if you haven't already seen it, it's totally worth watching. We're, we're mm-hmm. big fans of it. Um, and, and honestly, we were talking about the, the second season. Like, we're not really sure. I'm not really sure what's plot canon anymore because of, of the way the yeah. resets. I don't remember what actually has happened to this mm-hmm. character and what has been reset from his death. And I just can't remember. Yeah. yeah, who who survived and what do they know about his life um, and yeah. what did they learn and then got erased. So we're going to rewatch that. Um, if you have thoughts on Somali and the Forest Spirit or what we're going to be watching in the future or anything else we've ever watched, please reach out on our Twitter at Baka Podcast or you can reach us on our email, Club at gmail.com or leave a comment wherever you found the podcast and it'll get back to us. Uh, with that, we have uh, talked way too long and we all need to go to our Betty Bye. So let's say goodbye. Thanks for listening. See you next time. Bye now.